Welcome to the BrightGage podcast. I'm Danielle Ungerman, the product marketing manager at BrightGage, and this week we're talking with Excello founder Jeff McQueen. Listen in as he shares their origin story and plans for taking on the way businesses manage their operations. Spoiler here, Excello is one of our newest integration partners. Hey Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to, you know, I've heard a lot of great things about Excello and, um, and us being a new partner. Uh, it's, it's very awesome that you're able to join us and, and tell us more, and especially tell our market more about, about Excello. Where are you based right now? Right now, uh, sitting in San Francisco. So our head office is in San Francisco at first and Howard down in the middle of, you know, sort of the startup craziness yeah. um, of this part of the world. And, and obviously with the accent, it's, it's pretty clear, but uh, <laughs> take, uh, so Australia, take us back, if, you know, yeah. you know, how'd you end up in San Francisco? And then we'll, we'll come back around to, you know, how you and I got hooked up here. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved out to the States, uh, to San Francisco back at the end of 2011. We had Accelo in a, a beta at the time and we were just getting ready to, to launch commercially. And uh, yeah, so I came out to the States for a couple of reasons. Um, we were, you know, a tech startup with a lot of uh, exciting things going on. We had um, a lot of support and interest from guys like Google. It's actually funny they're having their IO conference starting, um, or it's happening this month at least. And uh, yeah, that was actually at the conference where, where we got asked to exhibit by the good folks at Google um, wow. and got to know a bit of the market and was just like, you know what, if we're going to make this work from a business point of view, let's get out here. Let's, let's make it happen. Um, so yeah, that was how it played out. Wow. The, uh, I mean, that's a big move. So you I mean born and raised Australia, stayed there. For yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Went to school there. And then, so my three co-founders and I and Excello, we all met each other um, through, uh, we all used to work together in an agency that I founded, uh, you know, about a decade before that. And, uh, yeah, we decided to, to make Excello happen, um, not just as a side project, but actually we, we spun out and, and really poured out all into it, Silicon Valley style, which is great. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, I, I left, uh, they, the three of them stayed behind and they've since built up an amazing engineering and product team. And uh, my job out here in the States was to focus on fundraising, uh, sales, marketing, client success, um, really all those customer facing dimensions and have since built up a pretty, pretty amazing team out here. Yeah. How many, what's the employee size now? Oh, I think we're nudging 90. Wow. That's great. That is great. uh, And how many, what's the split between uh, Australia and, and I'm assuming it's just San Francisco, the other space. Uh, no, we've also got an office that we opened earlier this year in Denver, which has been seeing a fair amount of growth as well. So, yeah, we sort of, you know, uh, about 40% is in, uh, is in Australia. And then we've got actually smaller, almost 50%. We're still very much a product and engineering-driven company. Right. And then uh, in San Francisco and Denver combined, clocking it around about, you know, sort of 50, 45, 50. That's awesome. And, and I'm sure, you know, our listeners, as we spoke about, you know, very much an MSP space. Uh, yeah. MSP centric. So I know a few have heard uh, about Excello, but still relatively new in this, in this market, right? So yeah, uh, give us, uh, you know, for them that, that have never heard, just saw a logo on our podcast and decided to give it a shot. What's, yeah. you know, where did, why did Excello come, come to be? And I know it has tied to that services business you had. And what is it doing now uh, for, for, and 
if you can get to how it would apply to potentially MSPs, that's, that'd be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my first business out of, out of college was a, a services business, which was a hybrid between doing, you know, digital uh, agency style work and MSP type work. Uh, we ended up relatively early in our journey focusing as one needs to do and, and niching our expertise around the, the, the more the digital side of things, but always got a strong uh, memory and recollection from the days of, you know, I was in the early days pulling cable myself and, and crimping and, and setting mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, client, client, you know, offices and things like that um, well back in the day. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, you know, we, we built that, that business, that services business, and it was in the process of building that business that I, I came to realize firsthand the frustrations and challenges of what it takes to really run a, run a good business. And that running the business piece is harder than it should be for small businesses in the service industry, which is almost all small businesses. Right. You know, you, you, the average person, the data, the stats are, is kind of heartbreaking. The average small business owner um, or manager today works something like 57 hours a week. Um, you know, on average, I think it's about 80% of them work, work six or more days. There's not many more days left after six. Um, so, you know, they don't take vacations, all the, all this really hard work, you know what it's like. And people listen to this right. podcast will, will be, will be nodding away, I expect. Uh, and yet the, the hard thing is that it's actually a really tough, um, way to, 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 you know, sort of make your way in this world. Um, 50% of the businesses that start this year won't make it to their fifth birthday. Right. And and uh, there's a lot of factors that come to play. Um, it's competitive. The big guys don't play fair. There's a lot of those sorts of things. But one of the fundamentals that, that I really saw from doing that kind of work is it was unnecessarily tough to run the business. And if you don't know what's going on in the business on a daily basis because there's it's too much happening and you're still getting by with spreadsheets and manual status update meetings and other, other kind of, you know, difficult um, – systems pieces, then you, you end up making bad decisions. Not because you're an idiot, not because you don't know how to run a business, not because you, you don't care. It's really comes down to the fact that, you know, you, you're not aware of what's going on. And, and so that was, uh, that was really the genesis when it came to Accelo, uh, realizing that SAP and Oracle had, you know, made hundreds of billions of dollars of at least market cap, but probably also revenue over the years, helping the big end of town to run their operations. And yet small businesses on the whole were, were left to kind of fend for themselves with either a cocktail of different tools that still required you as the business manager or owner, the person running the business to try and stitch it all together, which is why you work so many damn hours and often feel like you're not working on the business, you're always in it because you're holding it together. Or alternatively, and, and this is a, uh, something that the MSP community had that other industries didn't have as much, you could legitimately go out and buy a bunch of legacy technology that helped to run some of those key operational parts of the business. But the tools were and are incredibly clunky, um, very hard to implement and get going, um, pretty damn expensive. And, and then after, when it's all said and done, you still end up becoming a slave to a tool that you put more into than you get out of. And, and so I saw that the shape of that market and that world with my co-founders, we also had our own personal experience where it's like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Like cloud technology can now make these people's lives better. They can make their businesses more profitable. They can help them do the work that they love instead of juggling spreadsheets or pulling it together manually. And so 
it was with that conviction and mission we decided that we were going to do something about it and uh, Accelo was born. And then, yeah, I know you said you moved to the States in 2011. Is that about the time that this kind of decision was made to take it seriously or you had built the product? Uh, Pretty much. We, we built, we, we spent some time building the product uh, leading up to that in 2011. Right. Um, but really it was the 2011 period where we put the product out into beta in February of 2011 and, and then really lent into it through the course of that year. And that was when, and I tell you, like we've actually still got customers from those early days. Right. It's incredible. Like I think of what our product was then. And I'm just amazed that anyone used it, much less paid for it. Because um, it was so, you know, MVP, right? It's yeah. a classic startup journey. And and it was interesting that, that it really, it still made such a material difference for our customers that that we we succeeded despite the fact that the product was something that, you know, sort of embarrassed me at the time. Yeah. Yeah, they say if uh, if it doesn't embarrass you, then you haven't you know you sh- you've waited too long to ship it. That's that's what yeah, I that's uh, exactly right. Like a bunch <laughs> of friends who were in service business at the time going, oh, should we use this product? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Whereas now it's like, heck yeah, well, you yeah. know, this is definitely now the the best product in the world for running a service operation. That's um, awesome. But for a long time there, it was uh, it was aspiration at best. Yeah, we we started around the same time, and it's funny hearing the kind of the value proposition that you tied in there with running on spreadsheets, not knowing what's going on. It, it, it sounds eerily similar to our, our, uh, our pitch, you know, pulling different systems together. So that's, that's yeah. cool. it's a, it's a true need. Every small business has that overworked, uh, running around yeah. and off. And yeah, I like how you phrased it with this, the PSAs existed. You guys do not call yourselves a PSA. I know you have project modules, CRM mm. modules, uh, I believe you have tickets as well, like, uh, but you don't call yourselves a PSA. What's the category that you, you put yourself in? Yeah, we, we had a look at the PSA market and for a while we, we tried to fit in, you know, like being new kids on the block, we're thinking, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll play this game and, and, and be a player in this, in this existing category. And it became clear as time went by that it really, like while there's a lot of people probably listen to this who use the PSA or have heard of the category. Yeah, you, you have to be gentle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from a from a bigger picture perspective, if you take a step back beyond the MSP industry and you look at service industry more generally, because the while all of the professionals in different parts of, of the service industry have different skills and expertise, like an architect and an engineer are very different to an MSP, the business models are actually quite similar in many ways. It's right. smart people doing clever, creative work for clients um, and creating value with their brains. And, and, you know, we looking at the wider market, it was pretty clear to us that PSA was actually a failed category. It had been attempted to be made and it was, you know, still being slogged away at some 20 years after it first emerged. And the state of the art was still these incredibly clunky demanding systems with a big issue of garbage in and garbage out, a huge amount of burden for individual people to, to just keep the damn things up to date and filled in. All for what? So a CFO can pull a report once a month and feel good? Like that kind of a mismatch between, you know, effort in and who's providing that effort and benefit out struck us as a, a really strange thing and was a pretty common feature of, of the wider PSA market. Um, we also recognize that the PSA market itself was sort of under underselling the benefits of what technology could do for helping you run a business because it was so focused on really just tracking billing 
And in the case of MSPs, it's tracking tickets and service contracts. But if you try to do a project with any of the PSAs that are out there, you realize that they just wrap them in a, a label and they call it a project, but it's really just a jumble of tickets. Um, conversely, you, you use other products that are called PSA products and they've got uh, project management built in, but they wouldn't know a service contract or a ticket if it jumped up and bit them. Right. Um, none of them have good CRM or sales pipeline functionality to help you forecast what's around the corner. So it just sort of struck us that the PSA category was really just one disappointingly broken promise after another. Um, and when we talked to the market and we talked about what they really were challenged by, they were like, look, we've got marketing automation, HubSpot, Infusionsoft, Marketo, like, you know, the, the main tools that, that small and medium businesses can use and do use. We've got sales automation, whether it be Salesforce or one of their, one of their up and coming challenges. And of course, we've got the accounting piece, whether it be QuickBooks, Zero, or something else. But the bit in the middle, the operations piece, where they actually have to run the business, that was their, their big gap. And as we talked to them more and more, they weren't looking for a different timesheet. They weren't looking for a different, you know, ticket tracker. They're actually looking for a way to run their operations. And so that's where looking at the experience we had of, of really running a business from quote to cash, not just, you know, in the PSA categories that have been defined and talk to our users, it became clear that something that was actually focused on running the business for the benefit of everyone using it was, was actually a, an exciting new category. And, and so uh, that category is called service operations automation. And, and we're just, you know, one of the, one of the players who's uh, really helping to bring what should have been PSA has delivered promise, but we're bringing it to life in this, in this category that's much more broad and all encompassing. What's the split then of uh, industries that you are successful with right now or verticals? Uh, I know it's the service space, but is it, mo you know, attorneys, photographers? Yeah, not so much the attorneys. We, so there's a couple of criteria. Like we, we tend to focus on people at this stage, given that we are a tech company out of San Francisco um, with still a bunch more that we know we want to do on the product. That tends to be a better fit for people who are classic early adopters. So there's a bunch of MSPs, a bunch of consulting practices, um, a bunch of agencies, a bunch of accountants, funnily enough. I, I wouldn't have thought accountants were were necessarily going to be early adopters. You would have imagined them to be more tech laggards, but right. actually they're not. Um, tools like Zero and QuickBooks Online have shown them the, the power of the cloud and what it can mean for their business. And so they've then lent into it and gone, well, what else can we do? And that's where their, you know, 40-year-old practice management software that, you know, has had a, a constant lineage since before DOS um, sort of finds itself really struggling to, to make its value clear um, in the face of new technology like our, our stuff in the serve-ops space. Wow. The, from an MSP standpoint, I know, um, and I, I go back to it only because obviously that's the, the listener base. Yeah, yeah. I think we are probably 90% in that traditional MSP space. Yep. Um, so what is, and, and originally we got hooked up. I should, I should circle back to one of my original points I wanted to make was, uh, which typical for our customers or how we get new integrations is they say, Hey, awesome new product. I use it. I want to use Brightgate with it. Please integrate. Yeah. And when we look at these new, just anything that's pitched to us like that, we first mm. just Google, Hey, API doc. Um, yeah insert company name and it's funny because even like ninja who who we're friendly with but they just don't have an api like they didn't they haven't invested in that part of the business mm. yet um or an api that would be suitable for a reporting tool like ours 
but you yeah. guys had a great well-documented system uh, that we can pull data from. It was, it was modern. It was normal in our opinion. Yeah. Uh, and and we weren't forcing you to use soap, right? That's the key. <laughs> exactly. And you would be amazed how like how much joy that brought to us. So, you know, we're in the early stages of, of our partnership and just trying to, I think we have maybe five mutual partners. So mm. how many other, and these are, these are MSPs. How many other MSPs are there? You're allowed to answer that question. Oh, we've got hundreds. We, we don't disclose exact customer numbers, but we have hundreds and hundreds of MSPs using Excello today. Uh, one number that we, we do share sometimes, you won't find this very publicly quoted. So it's a bit of a scoop for you guys, but we find about 83% of our monthly active users are also daily active users. So um, we have hundreds of MSPs that are running their business on Accelo with a level of addiction that is just right up there with, you know, Facebook or, or right. one of the Gmail. It's an intensely heavily used product. I it would, it would have to be right if they're going to run their business on it. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah. It's, and it's great to have that validated because it'd be nothing worse than saying, yeah, they use it to run their business and then actually find out they just sort of tinker every once in a while to create an invoice. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, this cool. thing yeah. really runs the show. Yeah, it takes over. Um, that's awesome. And you guys, uh, and I read this raised the, the 9 million. What was the, and I think it raised a few million before that at some point. Yeah. Raised 11 now. Okay. So what's the, what's the story behind that in the sense of, you know, now you have 9 million to, to spend. Where, where, where is that going? And, and how do you see this shaping up in the next few years? Yeah. I mean, it's predominantly going into smart, capable people. Um, you know, we're, what we've got with Accelo and, and what it does for our customers' lives every single day is is really quite special. But as the as a product CEO and one of the founders, I'm I know we're just in many ways still getting started. So the ability to overlay what we have with even more automation, with even more forecasting, uh, bringing in machine learning and AI to provide insights before you even know what questions to ask. These are all things that should be in the hands of regular people running regular businesses. This shouldn't be stuff that's just quarantined to only the, the, you know, the enterprises and the corporate end of town. Because small businesses, especially in the MSP space, um, but all sorts of other parts of the, the services sector, I mean, it's an industry that creates all of the jobs in our economy, frankly. Um, it's, it's Main Street prosperity that, that you know, the small businesses that provide service to other people and businesses create. And so it's not fair that, that these industries, that these kinds of people are stuck with spreadsheets or, or other garbage. Right. Um, they deserve a tool that helps them to be prosperous because if they fail, then people's livelihoods fail. Uh, people, people lose their jobs. They lose their homes. It affects health and marriages. It's too important to just, you know, sort of say bad luck, um, work it out yourself. So is that so a, investing heavily in, in product and growth to help more people and to help them more more easily? Did uh, if so? You, you sound like a very product centric guy, and I'm similar. Uh, I was, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of the where I think a lot of software companies miss um, if the priorities are are in a different direction, especially early on. Yeah. Uh, what, where do you th where, where's your strongest in the in the feature sector? I mean, you built a big product. Uh, it's it's a Mm, absolutely a lot to do there so where do you feel your strongest where do you think your weakest therefore you're investing in like you know when mm. you when you when you can close a big deal like how do you what's that perfect uh, module that you know will will get them hooked yeah no it's a good question um 
It's a funny one because we, we sort of look at the fact that we've got uh, really a multi-product play and they all have to be singing in, in, in harmony for the, the promise to be delivered to clients as, you know, instead of focusing on, on one area or letting one area get weak, we, we really try and spread it around and, and rise, rise together um, yeah. so we don't end up off balance. There's a few things, though, that, you know, a lot of folks – can now can now see coming to the fore as the product rises further, um, particularly around some of the scheduling, resource utilization, um, forecasting dimensions. Just that ability to to run your operations and and have a good clear feeling that's automatically being updated as people do their work around utilization, um, availability, uh, productivity. That kind of stuff is really quite invaluable because for a lot of folks it requires today. Um, maintaining separate spreadsheets or doing other forms of really manual processes to, to, to try and keep a handle on what's going on. Um, so that's, I think, really the summary. It's, it's bringing it together that's the unique part that other, other products just aren't even anywhere near. The other thing that, um, that our users tell us who are MSPs uh, is their expectations from tickets and, and service contracts and SLAs are, are pretty advanced, pretty developed. Um, and what that means is that when customers who are not MSPs buy Accelo, they actually immediately get all of the cross-pollination benefits of what a sophisticated, smart, experienced, um, reactive service provider can do. Um, but conversely, when an MSP buys Accelo, they benefit from the project management and delivery insights that have been honed by folks running projects that are their life and death. And I think that's a really interesting perspective and benefit for MSPs because the, the cloud, while creating a lot of opportunity, is also creating a few challenges to the business model of the MSP. It's no longer a case of walking into your small business customer, installing Microsoft's small business edition uh, for, for the service stack and then turning on and licensing whatever the pieces are that they need and, and the work is in stitching them together within the server. Now with the cloud, it's actually much more important for an MSP to be a trusted consultant and partner because there are so many alternatives and choices that are not just whatever Microsoft happens to sell. And businesses are looking to their MSPs more than ever to provide that kind of counsel and advice. But what it also means is there's a lot less remote things to monitor and manage if it's all living inside Google or AWS or Box or Dropbox or somewhere else. So we're finding the MSPs out there are very appreciative and excited that they actually have a project management stack connected to their sales stack with Excello that they've really never had before. Um, the other major players in the market selling PSA software are you know, not really that capable when it comes to projects. Right. It's that classic thing. If all you've got to hammer, everything looks like a nail. And these guys, it's more like if, if all you've ever done is tickets, then everything looks like a damn ticket. And so they just wrap tickets in a, in a label and call that a project. Whereas having real-time forecasting on what the project's profitability is going to be based on the work that's progressing or being able to see in real time what the estimated completion date is based on things moving late or starting early. Um, this is really special and a major benefit for MSPs who, you know, 
my big prediction is are going to be doing a whole lot more project-based work than straight service contract work over the next 10 years as they evolve because so much more of the stuff that they've traditionally been patching, monitoring, and managing is either becoming disposable or moving to the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that, that so before we had uh, started Breakage, we, we had an MFP ourselves. And mm. you know, it's always the, the scare, you know, this was 10 you know, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how it's the MSC market still continues to grow. The The cloud has taken over a lot. hasn't taken over everything though. So everyone mm. that was scared crapless like I was, you know, 10 years ago, <laughs> it's not as bad, but uh, it's just um, the MSPs in nature, they change because they're just at the end of the day, they're technology partners Absolutely. to the small business. So uh, Absolutely. their needs have to adapt. And, and so far, uh, they do a good job because it's their livelihood and they have to. So yeah, it's funny is I, I just had lunch with a customer on Friday and he was saying the same thing. Oh, the cloud's going to come in and, and really <laughs> business models like, man, I, I, I swear I, you know, woke up with chills in 2010. Exactly. I think it, it's tremendous opportunity, isn't it? Because yeah. it is now so much more complex and you've got systems to integrate and connect together. Um, yeah. You can create so much value as a trusted technology partner by stitching together some APIs. Um, the customer just looks at you with delight when things light up. So yeah. I think it's a, a beautiful opportunity, but it does require tools and, and systems and a, and a, and a toolkit, which right. just like when VARs became MSPs in that evolution, they needed to have tools that could run service contracts. Um, yeah. It's the same sort of thing here as MSPs evolve into whether it gets another acronym and we look back in 10 years and go, oh yeah, that's why we started calling them cloud solution providers or something. Yeah. Um, but regardless of the names and the labels, the smart people who are going through this transition um, gradually, as you say, not the sky falling in. Right. Uh, they're going to need the tools. And, and that's one thing we hear from our, our MSP and technology customers a lot is they love actually having proper project management, which isn't designed to build a, a skyscraper. It's designed to deliver a service project where you're doing it in concert with your client, which means no plan survives contact with the enemy. And, you know, yeah. it needs to be really adaptive. The, what, um, so I'm looking at the time here to make sure we're responding. Yeah, yeah, sure. The, the I know you just recently announced or announcing a Ninja RMM, I believe I saw it on the, on the blog. Do you have other yeah. integrations coming besides obviously our wonderful integration at Breakage, but other, yeah. uh, MSP specific ones coming down the pipe? Yeah, we're working with the good people at IT Glue. still early days, but certainly the ability to take what Excello does, which is know who your clients and contacts are, and obviously then request tickets, retainers, uh, service contracts, being able to then connect that in with, with documentation and configuration management is really beautiful. So um, so that's uh, a work in progress. Uh, yeah. We've been focusing primarily on the, on the Ninja piece uh, for the last little while. Um, but that's cool. We actually, we, we didn't get a chance to make quite as much of a fanfare about it because it was uh, a really kind of beautiful coincidence. Um, one of our clients is, uh, is still a very, very happy lab tech user, whatever they call it now. Yeah. Um, and the, and, and they actually built an integration similar to your experience of, of looking at Excello's API docs and going, Oh, we got this. Um, these guys, you know, sort of messaged one day and said, Oh, by the way, we've built this thing and we're about to launch it on this, you know, I think it's called labtechplugins.com or something. And sure enough, they, they built a fully bi-directional integration with LabTech. So folks that 
that really love that product. And, and for talking to MSPs, is that there is so much to love. Um, they can actually keep their, their love of lab tech and, and be able to break up with, with their alternative um, parts of the stack that they really don't love. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a loyalty there. It's a God bless them. Cause we, we, they, yeah. we funded our, our evolution in that same one. Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That That's awesome. That is a, that is a great way to go about expanding the space is to integrate more mm. tools because the uh, automation is, is so top of mind. Um, absolutely. The automation piece, I know you're bringing AI thing and, and what is your big, for you, your perfect world, you said quote to invoice or however the phrase you said, yeah. What's your, your perfect world of a scenario that you kind of tell your uh, prospective customers? I mean, it's, it's really, you know, you didn't get into starting your business to sit there and jockey spreadsheets. No one enjoys spending two to three days a month to do their monthly billing. Yet if you don't do it, then you're going to go broke. Um, so it's really about automating as much as possible the busy work the friction and the overhead that comes into running a business so that you can do what you're actually really good at, what you really love doing. Um, and whether you choose to take that time that you're saving and invest it in growth and things that are enjoyable in that respect, or whether you want to invest it in spending more time with your family or finally getting a vacation without fear, um, you know, it's, it's your choice, but it's really freeing you so that you're running a, a system to run your business as opposed to having to, to title to give yourself manually all the, all the damn time. Jeff, you sound, by the way, it sounds beautiful and I, and I, I respect and I love the vision. What is for you yourself? You took on the, the, or for your co-founders, like what's your big plan? You know, what are you telling um, as much as you can tell us, obviously yeah, yeah. money you got to spend it. You're going to, you're going to help out a whole lot of small businesses around the world. Uh, you know, what's that tenure out game plan for you? I think, I mean, reality is what we're tackling is, is like the, the biggest opportunity in B2B SaaS, B2B software as a service technology. Um, and so for us, it's drive a company um, as far as we possibly can, helping as many people sustainably on the way to that destination, whether that's an IPO or, or some other form of result. Um, you know, this is an opportunity that's, at least as big, if not bigger than, than what the good people at HubSpot achieved in marketing automation. You know, it used to be that marketing automation was something you had to buy Eloqua, which is now owned by, I think, Oracle. Um, you had to spend well into six figures to even get started, much more like seven figures. Um, and, and that was, you know, your, your average florist was, was locked out of that, of that industry, right? They were right. still stuck doing things the old way, if, if at all. And HubSpot, as an example, came along made a technology platform that was affordable and accessible for small businesses. And, and now your local florist has marketing automation and, and, you know, I'll get a, an email at some point in the next little while reminding me of my upcoming wedding anniversary <laughs> and making it a one click process to, to yeah. order some flowers. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's marketing automation operations automation, which is the category that we're focused on is probably between five and seven times bigger than marketing automation when you consider the value that it creates. Right. And while we focus on just the services vertical, and I say just the service vertical, it's the largest employer in the Western world, largest private sector employer. Um, it's about one in six jobs in the Western world in the private sector are in professional and business services, which is the category name uh, that the, the, the stats agencies give it. Right. Um, 
it's a massive, massive category. And yet it's worth probably seven times as much as marketing automation. If you think about this, people who listen to this think, okay, how much do I spend in terms of either time or money or both on marketing versus my techs? Right. What's, the, what's my labor cost look like on that? How, ma- how many marketers do I have for, or how many techs do I have for every marketer? And your ratio is probably going to be something in the vicinity of 20 to 1. So if you've only got five full-time people, then someone's spending like half a day a week uh, or you know, something like that in, in marketing. Um, now, if you've got a platform that can automate and help you scale and double the profitability of your service delivery, the place where you make, create value and make or lose money, um, that's a lot more important to your business and your bottom line and your ability to continue to have a roof over your, your family's head of food on the table right. than, than marketing automation. So you look at it and think, okay, marketing automation added together, um, market cap's probably something around a you know, $20 billion uh, market cap out there and, and we see this operations automation as being worth you know, a lot more than that. Right. And, and so that's, that's what we're working towards. And, um, you know, we feel like it's a race against the, the clock where every year that goes by where we haven't got the products easy enough to use for people to be able to, to solve this problem at their own pace. Um, every year that goes by that people don't know they exist because we haven't been able to get in touch with them yet and share the, share the news is a year that literally um, tens of thousands of businesses will fail, if not hundreds of thousands will fail. Um, unnecessarily, you know? So, so it's a a bit of a mission for us. That's great. I mean, I I feel the, feel and hear the passion. Um, You know, the HubSpot thing, I I have to bring it up because it's funny. Uh, I just saw today that they're in beta with some ticketing part of the product. And that's what always always scares the crap out of me with these larger software companies is you kind of jump the shark of the type of functionality you provide because you try to do everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll do all right because they're focused on the, they're not focusing on the ticketing the way that an MSP thinks about it. They're focusing on the ticketing in the sense that, you know, I've actually got a browser tab open here for some baby clothes on Shopify. Right. You know, and, and if, if my, my wife or I were to buy that and then it was going to be a problem, I'm going to want to talk to those guys about it. Yeah, so the it's, it's the intercom. Yeah, exactly. It's much more intercom style. Um, we talk, we talk about it as like, you know, there's products out there Zendesk being the best example of them where you can do great support for love, but no money. Um, whereas, whereas what a service business needs is, is, you know, ticketing technology and service delivery automation, which is actually focused on delivering a service to clients that, that at the end of the day you're being paid for, not just that it's best efforts. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, there's always so many, there's only so much great product, uh, a big team can build. And that's, that's always a scary thing for, for me, but I, I, I agree with you that it'll have, they'll shape it in the way that that benefits the the ecosystem that they kind of solve. So. Correct. But, the, the general, the general case, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, as we depart here, any uh, we always like to ask people, and it's very Tim Ferriss of, of me. Um, any type of uh, certain books that you read that you really enjoy that that you've passed on to other folks, or any podcasts you listen to on a regular basis? Yeah, no, good question. Um, from a book's perspective, there's been a couple that I've really enjoyed um, and have been pretty well shaping in recent times. Um, one of them is a book called Play Bigger by a guy called Al Ramadan and his two co-authors. Um, 
it's uh, it's maybe a little bit sort of Silicon Valley in terms of how people think about markets. Um, but I found it to be a really, really good book for thinking about strategy and, and how you sort of see your place in the world. You can think of it almost as an updated version of that classic marketing text positioning um, okay. from back in the 70s. Uh, I also highly recommend to folks, regardless of their walk in life, whether it's business or personal, to, um, to make sure you, you read um, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Uh, I think it's a really important piece for folks who are, who are really, you know, trying to understand um, what they should do next or how they should do it. And it's been really important to, to us understanding that we're not just solving a problem because we think we can. This isn't some intellectual exercise. There is a, a major um, social human uh, life payoff that comes from doing this stuff right. And that's what drives us. That's our why. Gotcha. And I'm sure there's going to be some folks on the, on the, on the listening to the podcast that would say, man, how can I try these? How can I try this out of everything? You know, he's, it sounds so good. Uh, yeah. what, what would you recommend as a next step for, for contacting Excello? And yeah, absolutely. So, so we have, um, we've stuck with the, the somewhat unfashionable approach now of letting people try it themselves. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, so you can go to Excello.com. Uh, you'll find a sign up button on a lot of our pages. Just click there. Um, the sign up process takes a couple of minutes. It's a free 14 day trial. We don't crimp it. We don't, you know, sort of limit it. Um, and, and you know, that's probably the best way to, to get a look at Excello. Um, we also do, you know, regular walkthroughs and things like that because it is a big and powerful product. And one of the downsides of a trial, we always like, we're kind of torn. Like on one hand, should you trial it empty so people can load their own data into it? And we often, whenever we have a trial loaded up, people go, how do I delete all this stuff? And then conversely, how do you demonstrate the, the joy and the opportunity of seeing um, what your schedule dashboard looks like once it's loaded up without having to load it up first? So we often do webinars and other forms of demos for folks so that they can, they can see it in a bit more of a finished state and have their questions answered as well. Do you publish price on the site? Absolutely, Excello.com slash pricing. Um, all transparent, all, all you know, honest the way that it should be. Excellent. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, this is awesome, uh, especially for you and I to get to know each other here. And, and I'm sure yeah, thanks, man. So um, if, there, if, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, email, how does that? Yeah, probably just, just email. Um, if you fill in the contact form on our website, for example, that'll, that'll get through to me pretty quick, smart, um, as well as the broader team. And, and that's probably a better way than hitting me up directly just because, uh, there's a fair bit of travel going on in, in a world that my world with multiple continents and multiple offices on multiple continents. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a great way to get in touch the contact form on our website. Alrighty. And we'll in the show notes, put the books and the contact info on the website and uh, we'll get that for everyone. So Jeff, I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And maybe check in in a year and see how, how, how we're both doing. So looking forward to it, man. That'd be great. It's been great working with you guys too. It's uh, it's a real delight when you get to work with a partner who, who reads, reads the documentation and just gets on with it. Um, <laughs> and I think as well, there was a couple of opportunities for us to improve things based on your feedback, which it was nice to then, you know, loop the API team in and, and they took great delight in turning around changes to, to make things better. So uh, yeah, awesome working with you guys. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Bright Gauge podcast. Special thanks to our songwriter, Stefan Menendez and our audio engineer, Camilo Velez. 
For more episodes, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. And for even more great content, check out blog.brightgage.com.